Welcome beyond the Reiki Gateway. I'm your host, Andrea Kennedy. Like countless others, Reiki found me when I wasn't even looking, and then it ignited a whole new world of questions. This podcast explores topics of interest for the spiritually curious. Join me for discussions and special guests on subjects such as past lives, crystal healing, spiritual awakening, ascension, energy healing, and more, all to assist and inspire you along your unique soul's journey. This episode is sponsored by Mainstream Reiki, offering live and online Reiki classes and a membership community to help Reiki practitioners succeed and grow in their practice. Find out more at MainstreamReiki.com. Welcome beyond the Reiki Gateway. I'm Andrea Kennedy, and I have Heather McCutcheon with me in the studio today. And Heather's here to chat about one of your favorite topics, and that is Reiki. Heather is a passionate force in the Reiki world, but in her former life, she was an advertising executive and a Reiki skeptic. Heather will fill us in on how she made the leap from corporate America to becoming the founder of the Reiki Brigade, which combines Reiki healing with modern technology to spread education and healing in the Chicago area and beyond. She's also a licensed massage therapist and an author. Listen in as Heather and I explore Reiki with some fresh perspectives. Welcome, Heather. It's just a joy. You know, we've known each other a little bit here and there. You know, we actually uh, co-hosted the Reiki Rays Healing Summit before, and so uh, we've talked here and there over the years, but I'm excited to really have a conversation with you, you know, two Reiki masters just kind of talking, learning maybe a little bit more about each other. I'm so glad that you said yes, and you're here for myself and our listeners today. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I've been listening to your show. I've been a fan for a long time. As you said, we connected way back in the day as you were getting started and years ago in my Reiki Brigade path. Wonderful to be here like old friends. Yeah, totally. But, you know, leading up to today, I didn't really know that much about you. I mean, I know some of the things, but that's why I'm really excited to really sit down and talk because it's not like just a message here and there and, you know, some things on social media. One of the things, though, that I really like to hear about is how you made that leap from corporate life to Reiki. And I know we both teach Reiki and our students, sometimes they want to leave their corporate job and they want to start a Reiki path and offer Reiki to more people. So anytime somebody does that, I think it's pretty exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about how you went from corporate to a successful and thriving Reiki practice? Sure. Yeah. And I agree with you. A lot of people now are feeling called to offer their service in the world. And Reiki is a great way to do that. And people are just wanting to feel really purposeful and looking to get out of the corporate grind, which does not seem fulfilling to them or purposeful. And I had a lot of those same feelings. I was in advertising after, after college. And initially, I really loved it. I was a copywriter, have a degree in English. And I loved being part of a creative team. And I loved our collaborative work environment. And we had a good time and it was great. But I started to move up the corporate ladder and the higher up the ladder I went, the more ego I encountered, the more office politics I was exposed to, the more challenging it became. 
And I really was unhappy. And I, because I had a degree in English, was not trained to do anything else. So I actually had intermediary steps. I broke both my legs playing rugby. And I went to Athletico, which is a sports rehab facility to get that work done. And I was in awe of the healing environment there where people were wearing shorts and t-shirts and helping each other out. And I realized I missed my calling. I'm supposed to be doing this kind of work to help people. And I quit my job, took out a second mortgage on my condo and went to massage therapy school. And I was in the admissions office there with my check for $11,000, whatever it was for this 16 month program. And the guy said, where do you get your massages? And I was like, oh, I've never had a massage in my life. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I knew that that was where I was supposed to be. That was the kind of work I wanted to be doing, helping people. So I first became a massage therapist and I was introduced to Reiki during that time, but I scoffed at it like a lot of people do at their first exposure. But I went through a really traumatic time in my life and people put their hands on me and turned night into day. And then I was a believer, having had that very tangible experience. And that's what brought me, you know, A, to Reiki, and I was able to incorporate that into my massage practice and introduce that to people. But B, brought me to the work of the Reiki Brigade, which is doing outreach and giving people tangible experiences of their fundamental energetic and spiritual nature. Um, That's why I feel so called to do that, because a lot of people are having a very hard time, and they don't even know that Reiki is available or like me, they've heard of it and they've scoffed at it, but to have the tangible experience. And we now are approaching 7,000 sessions that we've done in and around Chicago since 2011 when I started doing the outreach, working with police officers, kids in jail, homeless veterans, violence interrupters we have here in Chicago who are often former gang members going out in the street and getting in the way of gunfire and trying to resolve things peacefully. Lots of groups, there's a lot of events and a lot of groups working with people who are struggling and to be there and to be able to offer them these 10 minute experiences of Reiki so that they will know experientially that this is a legit way to approach well-being physically, emotionally, psychologically. I feel really called to that. So that's how that happened. It's remarkable. And I remember years ago, you put out a short little video and it made a real impression on me. And that was there was a medical student who had had Reiki. And on camera, this student talked about her experience just in the 10 minute session. It was a moment where I just got so excited because I thought a medical student opening up to this and experiencing it and having a positive experience, a positive impression about Reiki. And I thought, this is really big going mainstream. You know, that's my whole thing. So it really resonated with me. And I just thought, wow. But some of the populations that you serve, I just have to give you so much gratitude, respect, or two words that come to mind, because that's challenging. You know, you go into some very challenging situations, facilities, and I just think that's really amazing. So thank you for doing that because not everybody is probably cut out for that or maybe they don't want to do that. You are going into those hard places. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for saying that. I want to give a shout out to my volunteers because I'm not going alone. I have 24 volunteers who have approached me because they've seen our work on social media and they feel very called 
to help people and help the populations that you mentioned. So I'm really grateful for them. And as an example, people are feeling really called to help. Also, in terms of mainstream, it just so happens that tomorrow we're going to the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, which is a very prestigious higher institution of learning. So we not only work on folks who are in crisis, but we work on folks who are going to be influential in how the world is going to be shaped. And that's why medical schools have been a priority for us historically. And also this coming year, a priority is to be working with immigrants. A lot of immigrants coming in from Venezuela to Chicago, people may have seen in the news that down in Texas, they're busing immigrants up to cities and Chicago is one of them. We've had an influx of thousands and thousands of immigrants. They were living in the entryways of police stations for a while, just on the floor, 20 or 30 people just living on the floor. You walk into the police station, they're just there in the entryway. We've got 24 districts in the city of Chicago. So there's just a bunch of people every time you walk into a police department on the floor. They've now moved some of them to churches and some other kinds of facilities, but they're in a desperate situation and it's been hard to get access to them. But I I now have made a connection with a woman who's doing healthcare for them and she was thrilled to death to incorporate Reiki into that. So I'm hoping in the new year that we'll be able to go around to some of those facilities and offer them Reiki. We do have some people, some of our volunteers speak Spanish, and I'm in the process of getting my banner translated into Spanish so we can communicate with them. (laughs) Wow. Another frontier for you that you're heading right into. Yeah. And do you still offer massage? Do you still do that as part of your business? Yes, I am still a massage therapist. I would say my private practice is roughly 50-50 in terms of clients who come. And just actually to circle back to your question about how to make the transition, what I tell my students is, especially now with people able to work from home and having some more flexibility in terms of their job, you don't have to jump out of the airplane. If you have a full-time job that's paying all your bills, you don't have to quit your job and become a professional Reiki practitioner the next day. You could hopefully scale back. You could take a day off work once a month or twice a month and see clients and then maybe start taking Friday afternoons to see clients. If your employer is amenable to that or if you could find a job with more flexibility or switch to a job that's three quarters time or half time, there's a lot of flexibility out there now where people can kind of gradually move into Reiki as a profession rather than just going cold turkey. I did go cold turkey when I became a massage therapist, but I incorporated Reiki into my practice gradually. So there are options. Oh, I know. When you said that you quit your job and you got a second mortgage, I was like, what? But massage school, I mean, that's a big commitment and a big investment too. But wow. I love the point that you made though, because the workplace has changed so much. And I'm really uh, glad that you highlighted that and the easing into it because I think you're so right. And also, as we begin to practice Reiki and share Reiki with people outside family and friends, the experience that we gain is just immeasurable, I think. And maybe doing it a little slowly, like you're perhaps suggesting, is a great way to do it, because there's a lot to wrap our heads around as practitioners, you know, just seeing clients. There's a lot of steps there. And then I guess this would be a question for you. Uh, I don't want to assume anything, but sessions are different. I mean, every client session can be very different from the last. And it's been a huge, I don't know, learning experience for me as a practitioner. What would you say about that, Heather? Absolutely. I think not only strategically to plan to grow into that 
slowly in terms of just the logistics and what all is involved. You maybe if your full-time job is working for someone else and you've not had experience as an entrepreneur, all of those skills would be new to you. And to just ease into that slowly and not put all of your income on the line there right away, but also growing and expanding into Reiki. It's an ongoing process. You and I are still learning and growing all the time with that. So yeah, not to just take classes and quit your job and say, I'm going to do this now. I have had students, you know, they pay for the class and they think, you know, wow, you, you made a lot of money today. I want to do this too. I'm going to take the four classes and then I'm going to do what you're doing. And that's not how it works. I think not only not a great decision financially, but energetically, I think not a great way to approach it. If you're not passionate about it and you don't feel called to it, it's not maybe the job for you. Yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah, because for me, it just kind of unfolded. It wasn't like, you know, it was one step led to the next to the next. So I never had any big grand plan or anything like that. And you started with massage and then Reiki kind of came in after. I don't know. That's pretty interesting to think about. But yeah, it's funny though. I, I had to just about shake my head because you said, with your example, it's like, oh, you made a lot of money today. I'm going to do that. Well, it's okay, but that's like a couple days, you know, and then there's the next week and the week after, you know. There's also all of your life experience and your heart and soul going into it. It's not yes. a clock punching thing. It's definitely yes. a big deal. And I will say even as a massage therapist where I have clients coming to me kind of in the same structure that a Reiki practice would be. Like I had the shell all set up. I was a massage therapist for 10 years before I incorporated Reiki. I still had clients that were incredulous and skeptical, and I still had to incorporate it, even though I had it all set up perfectly for that type of integration. People were not necessarily ready to roll with that. So what I did was I would give the people sign up for a 60 or 90 minute massage, and they would pay for that. And I was talking about Reiki and I was putting Reiki in my newsletter and there wasn't really social media back then. It's been you know 12 or 13 years. I would say, okay, how about if after you get your full paid for massage, you get your full 60 or 90 minutes, but how about if you have time, do you want to stay 10 minutes longer and I'll give you 10 free minutes of Reiki after your massage? And very few people are going to turn down free minutes on a massage table, even if they don't really understand what you're talking about. And so I was able to expose a lot of my clients to Reiki. Several, you know, were not into it after that, but many people were like, that was amazing. That thing at the end was really, really great. I want more of that. I had sessions that were combo sessions, massage and Reiki. So maybe you want 45 minutes of massage and 15 minutes of Reiki, or maybe you want 30 minutes of massage and 30 minutes of Reiki. But that introductory experiential, offering them that experiential time was so critical to introduce people to it and have them understand what it was. Because it's very difficult to get people to pay for something when they don't know what it is. And then people started signing up for the combo sessions. And many of those clients now just sign up for 60 or 90 minutes of Reiki straight up and or have taken the class. Yeah. I love that, how you added it on to the end like that for free. That's a great idea. Really great and how it worked. I know you and I have had a conversation about whether Reiki should be offered for free. Again, because I was so skeptical initially, and it wasn't until I had the tangible experience that I was on board, that I fully understand oh, yeah. that people 
you know, having that tangible experience is so critical to their receptivity to it. So I, I mean, I, it's not a great analogy, but like a drug dealer, the first bit is free. And then <laughs> now that you know what it is and that the value that it offers, okay, now, now you can pay for it and people will be drawn to it or they won't, but at least then they know what That's we're talking true. about. It's funny. You went to drug dealers and I went to Costco. Ah, I was like, <laughs> the samples. Yeah. Yeah. The free samples. Right. Oh yeah. But I just think that's just very smart to do that because you already had the clientele there and to offer that so they know what it is. I think that's great. I mean, I don't think there's, yeah, we had a conversation about charging for Reiki, but there's full sessions that, you know, but in order for a client to come back, they have to have an initial experience. I used to discount mine. It was the Tri Reiki special is what I did. So I was a very deep discount. But to me, I figured, well, if that'll get them through the door, why not? Because they have to have an experience in some way, shape or form in order to come back through the door. To pay money for it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So I think sampling is a great idea. And, and even for people you know, like I said, I had the massage practice all set up and ready to roll, but not everyone does. But you have friends and family and you can offer samples to get the word out. And it also helps you kind of practice and build your confidence. So yeah, I think it's really strategic to do the deep discount, as you said, or do the free samples any way you can to educate people and get them coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot of people add other modalities to their sessions. They combine it with other things. So in your case, it was massage and Reiki. And then did you offer anything else on top of that or as a, an option or just those two? For a while, I was offering something that I had separated out called a chakra clearing. And it was kind of a little bit different procedure where it focused on each individual chakra. And I kind of went down the line. And I did that because of an experience that I had prior to taking my first Reiki class when I was first just dabbling in energy work. A friend of mine taught me this technique and it was so powerful for me. And I went to practice it and I'd sent out a note to my client saying, I just learned a new thing. Who will let me practice on them? And a few people volunteered, I think, thinking they were going to get free massage. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to do the chakra thing. And the very first one of those I did was just off the charts profound. And for me, uh, it was a what I call a metaphysical breadcrumb that this is the work I'm supposed to be doing in the world. And so I took the Reiki classes and that helped me understand more about energy and what was going on. And I had those separate for a while. Here's the chakra clearing and here's the Reiki session. I've since just incorporated working with chakras is included in Reiki. And if I feel called to a chakra, I work with a chakra. And if I don't, I just place the hands and it's just all one thing. I don't separate it out anymore. But in terms of like extras, that's kind of what I have done. Yeah. I kept pretty close to Reiki really. For me though, I went more the intuitive route. You know, I started seeing and knowing things about the clients. And for a lot of practitioners that does happen. Did that happen for you? Absolutely. And I have listened to your show and I love the way that you talk about being receptive to that and just listen and listen with your body and be quiet. I love the instruction that you give and the language that you use around that. So thank you on behalf of everyone for that. 
I have had that happen. And in the course, in my level one class, I talk about all the Claire's. These are things that can happen. They were not mentioned in the class that I took. I thought I was losing my mind when all of a sudden I was hearing things, seeing things, feeling things. So I tell people straight up, there's information available in energy. Here's how you might receive it. Eyes and ears open and be, as you say, just listen with your body and see what comes to you. And uh, yeah, you might get information that way. Not a guarantee. It's not on the brochure. I'm going to give you a psychic reading. I've had people come into my office saying that they, last time they got Reiki, the woman just narrated and told them all the psychic stuff. And they sometimes have an expectation that that's going to happen. And then I tell them, I sometimes get info. I sometimes don't. It's not a given. What has your experience been in terms of like frequency of getting that info? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I started getting the information early on after Reiki 2, and I started dabbling with distant sessions. And I think it was then because I was by myself. So it was kind of easy to know or recognize that information was coming and there was no other way I was getting it. Because when you're with a person, it's a little complicated because you're talking with them and you're just with another person. But when you're by yourself, things can be a little bit clearer. But I fought it for a long time as far as saying anything to whoever it was I was offering Reiki to. I really fought it because I thought, that's not what Reiki is. And I struggled with that a lot because I thought Reiki is spiritually guided life force energy. So who do I think I am by saying something like, uh, there's this guide here for you or whatever that is uh, that's happening. And I really wrestled with that a lot because I didn't want to disrespect Reiki. I didn't want to also muddy the waters for clients where they thought Reiki is all of the psychic stuff, like what you were saying about the people coming in to your office. And they're like, well, I had Reiki and she gave me this big reading. But so I don't know. I mean, it's tough because what I'm seeing in my students, and I'd love to hear your take on this too as a Reiki teacher, people come to class and sometimes they say they have no real intuition or, you know, it's really not a big, you know, they want to get better at feeling, seeing, knowing all of that, but they feel like it's, those are skills they do not have. And then by the end of class, some of them are just, I mean, so far down the path. It's incredible. And so I don't think it was like that though. When I first, I started teaching in 2006, I know it wasn't like that back then. So I don't know. Please help me out here, Heather. Give, give me some, give me some of uh, your experience here. My teacher did say during the attunement that she did see spirit animals in the room. So she touched on it. She said, this, this is happening. This doesn't always happen. This is happening today. But she did not spell out for us that that was something that I could expect. I thought that was a gift that she had. As soon as I started doing Reiki, I did have all the things. People talked to me. I was awakened in the middle of the night by someone yelling my name, and that wasn't even during a Reiki session. But that's clear audience. That one freaked me out more than anything because there's the thing about hearing voices is associated with schizophrenia when really you and I know that's a way to receive information energetically. But I got videos and I 
saw colors, I saw pictures, I saw videos, I call GIFs, little clips of video. In my experience as a teacher, there are people who come into class sometimes with some ability and sometimes with none. And I've been really fortunate, I think, when my classes will have up to eight people in them, there's almost always someone else in the class that is having a comparable experience to validate for that student. I've had that before and it's more now, or I'm having this for the first time along with you. There's almost always validation from among the group, which I'm really grateful for. So it's not just me up there saying, here's what might happen, or here's my explanation for what just happened to you. They're getting information from each other. They're sharing this experience. And I really love that. I feel really grateful for that. Yeah. I experienced that too in my classes. I love it too. People sometimes ask me if I'll teach them one-on-one. And you know what? I don't like to do that because there's so much that the students learn from each other in a class. And it just makes it, I think, such a richer experience for them. So woken up in the middle of the night. Wow, (laughs) that's interesting. (laughs) Hello, it's Andrea. And in addition to being your host here at the podcast, I'm the founder of Mainstream Reiki. We're bringing Reiki further into the mainstream is my mission. I offer quality Reiki classes of all levels to students attending live from around the world. And I've built a membership community as well to help Reiki people connect with each other through discussions, events, and Reiki practice. So if you're considering learning Reiki or you already have, I invite you to visit MainstreamReiki.com to discover your next step in your Reiki journey. Thank you. And now, back to the show. Can I ask a question? Because you did not list among your reasons why you did not want to share. You did not say that you were concerned about your credibility, because I know that your background was such that this was maybe challenging for you to start with, just even the Reiki part. And I wondered if, okay, there's a guide here for you was just too much for you to admit, like publicly that that was even happening. Yeah, yeah, you totally caught me on that because, yeah, I skipped right over that. Yeah, I had such a fear of being wrong or being judged as crazy, weird, you know, whatever. And that was a huge part of it. Yeah, a fear. Yeah, I was very afraid. And what ended up happening was my husband one day, because I would tell him different things or I'd practice with him and tell him, you know, all kinds of things because he's my husband, so I can tell him all that, you know? So I would tell him all that stuff. He knew I was not sharing things with other people. And one day he said to me, well, you're not getting that stuff for you. You're getting that stuff for them. So he said, who do you think you are to not share it with them? And then I just thought, oh, man, why do you have to put it that way? Because then I was really torn. But it was that conversation that really started opening my mind to, yeah, he's right. So how do I navigate that? And so what about in your sessions, Heather? Well, I I just want to say I love that your husband said that to you and was supportive in that way. Yeah, I've heard you talk about this and my take on it is a little bit different. I 100% agree that a lot of times that stuff is for the client. I also sometimes hold back. I think sometimes things happen for the session. There are people there to support the session, and I happen to be aware of them. 
that I don't necessarily need to verbalize that. And I'm going to give you an example. I was teaching a Reiki class, a level two class, so distant Reiki, and there was an uneven number of students in the class. So I partnered up with someone during the shared exercise, partnered exercise. And while I was channeling Reiki to her, I saw a series of faces pop in front of me as if they were popping in to say hello. And it was different ages, different genders, different nationalities. There was like an Eskimo woman. There was an Elizabethan man. And I very strongly felt that these were her past lives. And they were coming in because either there was an issue that they had all carried that was being worked on now, or they were there to support that session. And because this woman was my Reiki student and she was open to all of the above, we had a conversation. It was tremendously beneficial. Oh, and the last face that popped in front of me was a young girl who slapped her hand over her mouth as if she'd said something wrong. And as I was explaining this to the woman in my class, this is what I saw. The last one I saw was this, and she started crying. And she said, I went to Catholic school and I said something in class I wasn't supposed to, and the nuns beat me on the knuckles with the ruler. And I was working on that in therapy this week. The woman in my class is in her 60s. This was like a 12-year-old girl that I saw, but it was the same person. And that's why I thought these are her past lives. This was tremendously helpful and validating for her. This was a really great experience for us to have. A couple months later, a man came into my office having a lot of problems, agoraphobia. He was in his maybe 40s and he was having trouble leaving his house and his problems were getting worse and no Western medicine could help him. And someone said, go try Reiki, but he wasn't sure. He didn't know why he was there. He didn't know what to expect. I gave him a session. It was tremendously powerful. And once again, I saw the faces. Uh, And I was like, these are his people showing up. This is great. He's having a really hard time. They're here to help him out. And after the session, he said, I feel fantastic. That was so wonderful. And he was so thrilled and so relieved. And I opened my mouth and I talked about those faces. And he left my office and I never saw him again. He was freaked out by that. And I thought, oh my gosh, I screwed up. Reiki could have really helped this guy. And I scared him by sharing that with him. So I do have a little bit of a filter based on what I think people can process. I think if they were there to help with that session, he didn't necessarily need to know that, that their presence was there to help me help him. But that information was too much for him. He was gung-ho until I said that, and then he freaked out and he left. And I've just been kicking myself and have changed how I operate ever since then. I do not want to do that again. Yes. Oh, and let me say, oh, I I also have a filter. (laughs) I don't tell everything either. But let's imagine something, though. Maybe he left your office and he was freaked out. And then time passed or something. And then maybe we don't know whatever happened because that right there, it could have led him to start looking in to more spiritual things in his own life. That's a good point. And he could be a Reiki teacher today. He could be super good at meditation. He could be, who knows? But in the moment, yeah, he probably felt there was a boundary crossed or something like that. He didn't know what to expect. But you know what? Sometimes that's not all bad because it plants a seed maybe that could lead them to a whole nother place. That's a good point. You're right. I like to think if he's teaching Reiki, I would know about it, that he would have circled back to me and eased my mind. (laughs) (laughs) 
but it's it's true i mean the information is what it is so he made of it what he made of it in the moment may have been different from his reflection later on after some thought after some investigation or experimentation on his part that well undoubtedly contributed to the bigger picture that he has of the world my thought was that Reiki could help this person and he's not going to seek it out now because of that. So maybe the bigger yeah. version is that it was just what was supposed to happen. Yeah, I know. It's hard, though. It's definitely hard. And it's a learning curve. Right. When I started doing those things, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. The other thing, though, is, well, let's just say this. There's no instruction manual. Right. For this stuff. Right. <laughs> You know, we learn Reiki and we're all like, yay, and then we might get more intuitive and more psychic and be able to see, feel, hear, and know. And then what? That is really the huge question, because where is the information coming from? Can you trust that? There are a lot of questions about it. It sounds like you trust. I do now, but... It's taken me a long time. <laughs> and I have my own process, how I work and how I would, why I would share certain things and not others and, you know, all of that. But in the early days, oh, I'm sure I crossed boundaries and said things that I probably shouldn't have said and all of that. It doesn't make me happy to think about that, but it makes me think, how can we better support Reiki people, Reiki students, Reiki practitioners to have discernment or have proper tools because I don't see the genie going back in the bottle here. Right. It right. you know, the the students, the practitioners, this is part of who we are today. We can't deny who we are and what comes through. I mean, that doesn't feel right to me, but how can we do it in a responsible way? Yeah, I I wanna speak to that, but I want to circle back to you. Had, you had said something earlier about how it's changing and it wasn't like this when you started. And I have heard from a number of sources. I also have studied the Akashic Records, which I just briefly describe as has been also called the Book of God's Remembrance or the Book of Life, which contains all the information about everything. And if you can read the Akashic Records, you can, with people's permission, tap into their Akashic Record and get information about them. So people who have uh, worked with the Akashic Records for years have said that it's gotten a lot easier lately, that two decades ago, they would get headaches, they would get sick to their stomach when they tapped in, and now it's so easy, and they can teach the classes, and their students can tap in really quickly that it's more accessible now. So I interpret that as our vibration is raising collectively, things are just closer than they used to be. So I would agree with you that yes, over time, this is shifting. It is more accessible to people. We talked about people feeling called to this work to help people. I feel like that's happening more and more as people are tapping into their spiritual guidance and their own spiritual authority that I need to be helping people. My widget making job is not really doing it for me anymore. Where can I, where can I go to help people? So yes, I totally agree with that. And then you talked about what kind of guidance can we give our students? And I do have two bits of instruction that I give my students when we're talking about these clairs. And I say, you know, you, you may have one of these, that's your primary one, it'll amp up, you, you may experience all of these, you're not crazy, this is real, <laughs> this is a thing. But be aware of scope of practice. Unless you are also a licensed psychotherapist, we are not here to give people advice about their lives. 
it would be wildly inappropriate to give someone a Reiki session and then say, oh, you got to divorce that guy. I got some intel and you got to, you know, don't be giving people life advice. One of the ways that I address that is I have information about the chakras and I may say something like, there was a lot of activity in your third chakra. Here's some information about what goes on in the third chakra. You might look at this and see what resonates with you. And that way they are taking in information and kind of self-evaluating, self-diagnosing, and I'm not pushing anything on them. Oh, it feels like you got an addiction, you know, like, (laughs) no, 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 no. (laughs) So that is how I handle it and how I try and guide my students um, as they're opening up. You can't put the genie back in the bottle, but some guardrails. Yeah. No, I love that too, because my... I guess, guiding principle all the time in everything that I have done with my clients is empowerment. And I'm not there to counsel people, you know, so the stay in your lane thing. I love that. I absolutely love it. I want to empower people to find their own answers, to resonate with, find their path, whatever that might be. It's definitely helpful, I think, for our clients for us to remember that. I'm going to share this because this is one that really taught me something. So maybe maybe it'll be good to share. I have a client. He came for Reiki and I think it was a second appointment. And he was a, a of course very nice gentleman and the second appointment the word alchemy. Alchemy. And the concept of alchemy just kept coming up over and over as I was doing the session. And, you know, I was quiet. You know, I don't talk through the session or anything like that. But in my mind, I was thinking, what is this even about? You know, and I couldn't really get more than that. Just this whole concept of alchemy. It was interesting to me. So uh, after the session, we were talking. And I will say this too. I feel like there is a second permission that practitioners actually need to request. And that is for the intuitive part, if they do that or if they may, because it, as you said, it's not always the case that shareable things really come through. And so my first piece of advice, though, is that we get second permission. So they're there for Reiki. We explain Reiki. And then we say, oh, by the way, sometimes when I do a Reiki session, I'm able to intuitively receive information about perhaps what's going on with your energy, things like this. Are you open to that or would you like to not go in that area? And let them choose. And I think that's a great gatekeeper there because it's also helping them understand what Reiki is and what Reiki isn't. You know, so that's kind of how I tried to address that because I don't want people to think like the clients that you referred to coming in expecting the psychic reading because the Reiki person down the street. So that's why I would separate that. Big tangent, I just went on, but I had asked this man beforehand and he was open to intuitive things. And so during our conversation, I said, you know, what was interesting to me is the concept of alchemy just really was coming to my mind. I said, isn't that interesting. I said, does that have any kind of relevance to you? 
he laughed first. And then he said, before he left for the Reiki session, there was a book on the table in the living room. And he went over and he picked it up and he thumbed through it. And he, he thought, oh, yeah, this is a really good book. I haven't read this in a while. And his wife was reading it. And he decided, when she's done, I'm going to read that book again. And so he put it down and he left the house and he drove over and had the session. The book was The Alchemist. Yeah. And so where is the information coming from? Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a huge question because really that was just telepathic information. It was in his field, in his mind, in his thoughts. And I just picked up on that. And I'm going to actually share one other little thing because I think we have such a responsibility to our clients. You know, Reiki never does harm, right? Right. Reiki never does harm. We can do harm. Right. As a practitioner. And we need to be so careful. I had a client who told me about her friend who was, oh, I would say probably in her mid-60s. And her friend had gone to a psychic many, I mean, decades before. Gone to the psychic. And the psychic told her who her, I guess, described her soulmate to her. Mm -hmm. And this soulmate, his appearance, you know, all of these attributes. And so the woman started looking for that soulmate. To the exclusion of all others. To the exclusion of all others. And here the woman was now in her mid-60s, alone, and still turning down invitations to go out with men. Because not only did that one psychic tell her the description, she would go to other psychics through the years, and these other psychics would also give her a very similar picture. So my question is, given the story about the alchemist book, were these other psychics actually seeing a soulmate or simply picking up from her own energy the idea of who the soulmate needed to be she was looking for or even who the soulmate was in a past life and what they look like then you know that's true anything yeah Yeah. i hadn't thought of that that's a really good point what we tell people can be so impactful right yeah i love your your practice of getting permission before you share information with people i think people still maybe don't know the magnitude of what all that could be <laughs> yeah but it, it is you cover sure. your base there yeah those are great illustrative stories about what can happen yeah i guess i want to add to a good practice and we learn this in massage and it applies to reiki i think as well and it's also just good networking practice to have referral sources if somebody needs to see a psychotherapist they need to see a psychotherapist in terms of staying in your lane, you're not anyone's psychotherapist. And when people have tremendously healing experiences as they can with Reiki, sometimes they assume that you are omnipotent and omniscient and you can help guide them in their life. I've had that happen. And that is not my job. That's not what I do. I am not qualified to do that. I'm here to give you Reiki, give you information about Reiki. And if you need to see a psychotherapist, then that needs to happen. And I have had psychotherapists take my classes and they refer their clients to me. So building a a network of ancillary, tangential professionals that understand what Reiki is and are not going to scoff it at a, you know, psychotherapy client who says, I'm getting Reiki and this came up. You know, you want them to be Reiki friendly psychotherapists. 
But that's excellent to have in your toolbox as well to refer people around and just make sure that you're doing your thing. And then if anything comes up that's outside of your scope of practice, send them off. And those are great relationships to have, even to build your own practice. That's so true, Heather. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Absolutely. And and just make sure that you know who you're referring people to. Make sure that you really stand by and believe in those people. Right. Absolutely. I worked with a psychotherapist in my area, too. So we have a lot in common, I think, in how we do things. I'm wondering, I'd, I'd like to get your take on something. Because, you know, there are different styles of Reiki. Some are more traditional than others. And what style or styles have you learned? And what do you teach? So I learned what I would call a Western style initially. I took a Karuna class. I took Holy Fire classes. And most recently, I've taken Franstina's Eastern, like more traditional Reiki class. So that's what I've been trained in. And when you ask me what I teach, I've since taking Franz's class, which one of the revelations there was, wow, this is more different than I thought it was. The fact that in the more traditional Japanese version, they do not call in spirit the way that I was taught to do. The psychic intuitive impressions like we're talking about don't seem to be a part of that. So it seemed really different from what I had learned and kind of blew me away. And I had to step back and contemplate, okay, what language am I using? What am I doing? What am I putting out there? And I'm still just calling myself Reiki. But I do now teach my students, this is this way, this is this way, and this is this way, and take what resonates with you and go with that. So I've expanded the duration of my classes now to incorporate a lot more information and more techniques and just to really send my people on their way feeling really educated and knowledgeable about what's out there. It's been eye-opening for me. I mean, every day is a school day. You never stop learning. So That's really so true. Well, my practical question is, so when the students take your class, what do they get a certificate saying they learned? My certificates say holy fire on them. I use that initiation and placement process. I have to say I love that, by the way. The way it's direct to the student. I love that. Right. Yeah. So resonates. Yes. And but all of the classes I've taken there have been, and I think this is true of everyone, parts that really resonate with me that I take and parts that don't resonate with me. Sometimes not at that time and maybe later it's something I'm drawn back to. And sometimes just not. So from all of those, I've drawn things that are valuable that I really incorporate into my own personal practice. When I'm teaching people, I'm like, okay, this is what they're teaching over here. This is what they're teaching over here. This is how they do it over here. I take little bits of that for my own personal practice, and I kind of expect them to do the same. And I, I feel like everybody's individual Reiki path is so unique to them and so personal that far be it for me to tell them, this is how you're going to do it. This is what you're going to experience. This is how it's going to go. I just am offering them a bunch of stuff. We're calling in spirit over here. There's chanting happening over here. Hopefully you've got a personal practice where you're meditating and taking quiet reflective time. You know, Reiki on yourself is really great. But here's some other things that other people are doing. The shamanic and spirit elements, I think, came in around Iris Ishikuru and Arthur Robertson in our lineage. They're like fourth and fifth down from Mikau Yusui. And those have been really valuable 
to me. They resonate with me. I've had those experiences. And when I took Franz's class and he's like, yeah, we don't do that. I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm not giving those up. (laughs) I'm going to take stuff from your class. But I refer to Reiki as the gateway modality. And I love that the name of your show is Beyond the Reiki Gateway, because I feel like it's such an introduction into knowing your own fundamental spiritual and energetic nature. And then what happens from there is up to you and your path. So is it going to be working with animals? Is it going to be mediumship? Is it going to be whatever, Reiki and? And so mm-hmm. you and I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, there's different names of different Reiki. William Rand kind of channeled in the Holy Fire methodology and philosophy behind that. And I love that for him, that he has that and he teaches that. Not all of that resonates with me. I understood that Mikao Yusui would do his initiations by sitting quietly with people. And that resonated with me much better than the steps with a Western attunement that I was originally taught. So I really love that part of the holy fire. And then there's, you know, again, parts of the, of Franz Dina's class that really resonated with me. So something to learn everywhere, but all to be applied For sure. in people's individual way with what resonates with them. We are not all meant to be carbon copies of Mikau Yusui, or there would not be a ton of options available for people. Oh, I know. But if we think about it, though, Mikau Yusui, Mount Karama, that was just over 100 years ago. A lot has changed since then. People have changed. The world, technology, oh my goodness. But I guess maybe the most important thing is people have changed. As you were talking about that, about the energy changing, it's more readily available to tap in to wisdom and guidance like never before. So I guess I'd like to ask, in the more traditional classes then, is intuition, is that any part of the class at all as far as, I guess, in any respect, intuition, guidance? My understanding was no. Interesting. That you're going to get quiet and meditative, be nothing, be everything, and share that experience. And there was no, your guides are here. There wasn't any of that. Because Usui himself was very guided by the energy and developed Japanese Reiki techniques that used intuition. So is that part of that teaching or or not? I don't want to speak as if I'm an expert on it. I took the level three master class, which is kind of coming in at the tail end of that lineage. But yeah, he said no. The way he said that some of the techniques and even the symbols were created for people that were struggling to connect, they were kind of props like training wheels for people that were having trouble connecting to the concepts by just, okay, oneness. That's a big concept for people. So, you know, we'll have these techniques and these practices and these symbols around it and and help you focus on that. But there wasn't any higher spirit. It's you working with your own mind and becoming disciplined in yourself and connecting yourself to this greater universal energy. There were no other folks out there. And he even said, you know, well, you can call in your archangels or do whatever you're doing, but that's not how we do it. I'm not letting them go. (laughs) They're really important members of my team. (laughs) So yeah, I I incorporate all of the above. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And it's all called Reiki. Right. Which, wow, 
that could really be confusing for people because Reiki we're talking about is so many different things uh, depending on where you learn and how you practice. Right. And I grappled with it. But what I came down to is the experiences that people have who come to me for Reiki. Because I, then I, I tried to do it that way. I did it that way for a while. Okay, I'm not going to call anyone in. I'm going to be nothingness and connected to everything. And I just started changing my intention around it. It was not changing what was happening in my practice. I just still wanted to call in my people. So meaning my guides and invite the guides of my clients to come in as well. Interesting. There's a lot of different names for a lot of different types of, you know, there's angel Reiki, there's psychic Reiki, shamanic Reiki, different names of Reiki practices. And at first, you know, a few years ago, I, I questioned that. Why are people deviating off the path and personalizing? Like, why is there Shauna's Reiki and Kelly's Reiki? Why isn't there just Reiki? Why are you putting your name or your label or your stamp on this? It seems like a move of ego to be like, this is my thing and I'm going to call it this. But I've done a complete 180 on that, that I really appreciate that people are specifying now that I understand that there's a lot of different ways to do this. And it's nice for people who are interacting with you to know that here's one way to do it. And here's where my emphasis is based on my skill set and the way that I feel called versus someone down the street might be doing it a different way. Somebody might be talking throughout the whole session because they're giving a psychic reading during Reiki. And I don't want them to think that that's what all Reiki is. So when people come in, if they've had Reiki before, I say, how did that go? Was it hands-on? Was it hands-off? Was there narration? Was there this? Was there that? Here's how I do it. Are you cool with that? And then they have an understanding of, oh, people do this different ways. And this is what is going to happen today. Yeah. I love that. Just transparency. We just need to be transparent. And that'll help demystify the whole thing. Right. For clients, for potential students. That's a great term, transparency, because that's what I've decided. I don't need to rename everything. I'm just going to be transparent about this is what is happening in my class. This is what's happening in my office. <laughs> right. So not Heather's Reiki. Right. Right. <laughs> but I like how you're offering a fuller picture based on your own education. And, and isn't that true, though, what you said? You know, take what resonates with you and just set the rest aside. I just love that. I think that's a wonderful way to be whether it's Reiki training or life, exactly. right? Social media, it's like, you don't have to comment. It's okay. Just go to the places out there that resonate and just leave the rest behind, right? Yeah. Wow, we've covered a lot today. There's a lot of territory, yeah. Yeah, we, we meandered all over the place, but I really enjoyed talking with you and I understand more about what you're doing and why you're doing it. And do you feel like 2024 is just going to be amazing? I do. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about where we're going um, with the Reiki Brigade. I'm excited about the expansion of Reiki in general. I'm excited about the expanded audience for the Reiki Rays Summit. I'm excited about the audience that, that you've amassed, all the people out there learning about Reiki, whether they be beginners or Reiki masters with many, many years under their belts. It's phenomenal to see people coming together and collaborating and even with all the differences, becoming a chorus of voices that's a safe place for people who are learning about this for the first time and maybe think that it's weird. There's all the support out there, which when you said it's different now, it's definitely different than it was in 2006, where you had to go get a book and read the words of a stranger and process it in your own silence of your own home. It's very different now, and I'm so grateful for that. And 
2024 has good things for us in store for everybody. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being with me and our listeners. And if they want to find out more about you and all the things that you're up to in the Reiki sphere, uh, how can they best do that? Well, I have two websites because I have a website for the Reiki Brigade, which is reikibrigade.org. And I'm sure you'll have the link for that. And then I also have my private practice and I have my book available, which is about (laughs) my fumbling through my learning process and getting to establishing the Reiki Brigade and where I am now and, you know, classes, et cetera. And that's uh, heathermccutcheon.com. Yeah, we'll have both links down in the show notes and also the video description on YouTube. And we're, we're also on um, Instagram uh, and Facebook. So people can follow us along. It's, I feel like it's very inspiring to, wa- to look at the recaps. One of the main things I post is recaps of our Reiki Brigade events, including results of before and after surveys. So people who are starting out in Reiki and want to see pictures of police officers or refugees or homeless veterans receiving Reiki and then see a a kind of a compilation of the feedback that we received from them after their 10-minute sessions. All of that can be found on Instagram or Facebook or our blog. So that might be fun to take a perusal of as well. Oh, I know. Like I shared about seeing that video about the medical student. I mean, I remember that all these years later. So they definitely make an impact for sure. Yeah, I have um, probably 20 or 30 minutes of little blips of feedback like that. I don't record it on video as much anymore because now we do the surveys, but um, there are a lot of those that you can find on on our website and social media. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I can't wait to see where it all goes. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Oh, thank you. As always. It was, it was. Yeah, thank you, Heather. And from myself and the team here at Beyond the Reiki Gateway, we'd like to say thank you to our listeners for all of your support including leaving great reviews, becoming BTRG insiders, and sharing this show with your friends and family. Drop us a line at info at beyondthereikigateway.com anytime. Tell us what's on your mind and take great care. Until next time. Thank you for listening. And you can check the show notes or visit the website beyondthereikigateway.com to find out more about the podcast and connect with me. Please keep in mind that views and opinions expressed in the show don't necessarily reflect those of the podcast or anyone affiliated with its production or advertising. This program is presented for your entertainment only, and all information provided is to be utilized at the listener's own discretion. I, along with the BTRG team, hope you enjoy the show as much as we enjoy making it for you. Wishing you highest blessings until we meet again beyond the Reiki Gateway.